Uh, okay. You ready to you ready to talk about some Yu-Gi-Oh, Jimmy? Let's talk about even more dungeon dice monsters. I uh, I feel like I have to apologize in advance because I am not going to be able to stop myself from drinking coffee while we talk about this because I need it. I need it bad. Yeah, because for it's... once, you're the one stumbling around bleary-eyed, and I'm all awake and chipper in, at the in... end of a long day. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's... it's uh, At 12, uh... 12 in the morning. <laughs> Gross. Oh, uh, that sounds worse. I would much rather be up at 8 than midnight. Speak for yourself. <laughs> all right. Y'all move! It's time to podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Activated My Podcast, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! Recap Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jimmy. And this week, we are talking about Season 1, Episode 48, Dungeon Dice Monsters, Part 3. I feel like for these last couple of episodes, we should have had a different uh, intro that's like a riff on Go Dice Roll instead of It's Time to Duel. It'd be like, Go Podcast, which is equally (laughs) stupid. Go, 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 podcast. Dimension the podcast. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that much better. That uh, just that... makes it sounds like it's the title of the podcast, though, which it is does. not helpful. It's, it's fine. Uh, Jimmy, you know, this episode is a part three of four, mm. so we're almost at the end. But uh, this is, I think, the one of the four that has the best uh, translated Japanese name. Oh, do tell. So the translated title of this episode is Yugi's Tough Battle, God Orgoth's Fierce Assault. Sorry, what? What was God the last part? Orgoth's God Fierce Orgoth. Assault. Yeah, Orgoth, uh, the name of the card that we'll see later on, is apparently, although we don't see it at all in the translated version of the show, uh, is apparently a god. Okay, that makes him a lot more scary. It does. It does. Uh, Orgoth is still sort of a... Orgoth. Yeah, it's it's a very Diablo 3 sort of clunker of a name. Give um, me your powers. Uh, no, I'd rather not. Thanks. Uh, but before we talk about the episode in earnest, uh, Jimmy, as you know, every week we like to start our show with a recommendation of something that our listeners can do with their 20 minutes besides watching this episode of Dungeon Dice Monsters. Uh, what is your recommendation today? Tyler, I believe I've sent you this a long time ago, but, uh, my recommendation this week is one of my favorite, I don't know if it's like a short story or how you would classify it, but it's a... A tale called the Alameda Weehawken Burrito Tunnel, which is an article written from the point of view of like a historical documentary about, as we all know, that famous tunnel that connects San Francisco and New York that we send, that the West Coast sends burritos through so New York can finally have good burritos. (laughs) God, that sounds amazing. Can I read you the first two uh, paragraphs? Yes, please. I don't know if I can do a proper voice for it, but I'll try. Who can imagine New York City without the Mission Burrito? Like the Yankees, the Brooklyn Bridge, or the Bagel, the oversized burritos have become a New York institution. And yet, 
It wasn't long ago that it was impossible to find a good burrito of any kind in the city. As the 30th anniversary of the Alameda Weehawken Burrito Tunnel approaches, it's worth taking a look at the remarkable sequence of events that takes place between the time we click deliver on the burrito.nyc.us.gov website and the moment that our hot elf Farolito burrito arrives in the lunchroom with its satisfying pneumatic hiss. The story begins at any of the three dozen taquerias supplying the Bay Area feeder network, an expansive spiderweb of tubes running through San Francisco's Mission District as far south as the Burrito Bordeaux region of Palo Alto and Mountain View. Electronic displays in each taqueria light up in real time with orders placed on the East Coast, and within minutes a fresh burrito has been assembled, rolled in foil, marked, and dropped down one of the small vertical tubes that rise like organ pipes in restaurant kitchens throughout the city. Once in the tubes, it's a quick dash for the burritos across San Francisco Bay. Propelled by powerful bursts of compressed air, the burritos speed along the same tunnel as the BART commuter train, whose passengers remain oblivious to the hundreds of delicious cylinders whizzing along overhead. Within 12 minutes, even the remotest burrito has arrived at its final destination, the Alameda Transfer Station, where it will be prepared for its transcontinental journey. Isn't that great? I am so hungry now. <laughs> well, unfortunately, that, they're still working on the uh, the transatlantic burrito tunnel. I so even that. Britain can one day have actual good Mexican food. I have not had a burrito since like September. Oh, Tyler, this hurts my soul it, to hear it's this. Pain, it's painful to me. Uh, yeah, I really, where can people find that? That story is that just like just Google Alameda Weehawken Burrito Tunnel? Yes, um, it's on the website website called Idle Words, which is I think just one person's uh, Macy. I don't know how to pronounce their name. Macy J. Siglowski. Okay. Siege. But oh, okay. um, mm-hmm. you can literally just Google Burrito Tunnel, and it's the first result. Nice. Okay. <laughs> so if you want to hear about this. Uh, this historical marvel of the burrito tunnel uh, shooting burritos through the mantle of the earth across the country. Uh, check it out. It's a very good, fairly short read. And if you're if you like me are from the Bay Area, it'll be even more hilarious because I know all of these places. Right. Yeah. I'm sure if I were to show it to people who grew up here, it would be less. Uh... It'd be less funny. Yeah, who's Bart? <laughs> oh, that he's from The Simpsons, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, that's my recommendation this week. Nice. What is your recommendation? Uh, my recommendation this week, if you're listening to this on uh, the day that the podcast comes out, which should be May 1st, uh, tomorrow is going to be the start of a 72-hour live stream that's put on by Waypoint, which is Vice's like gaming uh, branch. And they're doing essentially 72 hours of let's play games. And, you know, they have interviews and people come in and play uh, VR and look crazy or, you know, play new games or old games or whatever. And the reason reason that they're doing this is they're raising money for Trans Lifeline. Oh, so now this is a good and serious topic instead of my burrito tunnel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it is and it isn't because, like... Uh, the first time they did this was, uh, I think, a, a year or two ago, and it was like uh, a, a thing that they started when they first started their website, and it was a 72-hour stream that was sponsored by Carl's Jr., 
And then they did it again uh, to help raise money for charity, and now they're doing it again to raise money for charity. Uh, and it's it's just a lot of very silly stuff. So if you enjoy watching people play video games, this is like a good time for it. Uh, All right. And uh, yeah, and I've mentioned Trans Lifeline in one of my recommendations, uh, I think like six months ago or something. Um, so, you know, even if you're listening to this, after the stream is already done, uh, go donate to Trans Lifeline because it's a good organization that needs money. Um, yeah, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes. It should be fun. I like watching people play video games for long periods of time because it's nice to do while I work. Uh, but yeah. All the fun of playing video games without the fun of playing video games I mean, for a good cause. I mean, like you, you, like you, you joke, but it's one of those things where... One of the one of the struggles of working from home is that I am within arm's reach of my Nintendo Switch at all times, but I can't use it because I have to work. <laughs> and it's just kind of like, I don't know, it makes that it makes that pain a little worse somehow. <laughs> uh, so it's nice getting to watch other people play games while I have to I don't know, write emails. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh yeah. So that's my recommendation. Um all right. we have an email this week, Jimmy. From friend of the show, King Boomy. You know, King Boomy of the Earth Kingdom. Hey, King Boomy. Uh, King Boomy's written in before, and they say, Hey, guys, I think Battle City is... Should I do this in the King Boomy voice? I don't think I can... <laughs> I don't know that I can keep that up. Hey, guys, I think oh Battle God. City is definitely important. No, I can't do it. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry, King Boomy. Uh, I think Battle City is definitely important as an arc, and you should definitely watch through it before moving on as it sets the base rule set for the card game and the anime with some minor changes here and there in the future. But, please, wow, please, please. Wow, they actually please, talk about the rules they, <laughs> instead of just making up random bullshit as they go along. Rules exist, apparently. Uh, and they continue to say, but please, 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 could you watch a couple eps of GX or even just the first one before moving on to the next Yu-Gi-Oh! arc? just so I wouldn't be waiting a decade for GX. I hear you there. Uh, yeah, you guys would be familiar. We should do that as a bonus episode one time. What's that? We should do that as a bonus episode sometime. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Uh, King Boomy uh, continues here saying, though, uh, you guys would be familiar with the rules already due to it being pretty close to dual links. Great. Uh, but with five monster and spell spaces instead of three. Also, what do you think about doing more than one ep per podcast? Because, the way I see it, there's really not much in a single episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! to fill the time for an entire pod episode. But with two or three eps in a single podcast, enough things would happen to talk about, I reckon. But feel free to ignore this bit if it's too much work. But, please watch at least an ep of GX before moving on to the next arc, which is a necessary one, IMO. Thanks, King Boomy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I, I was thinking about, like, because we know we want to take... I. Jimmy, you and I have talked about this off mic. I think once we're done with this season, we're going to take the rest of May off to like recalibrate our formula, I think. Um, yeah, we're going to mess around with the format a little bit, uh, see what works, see if we can cut down our episode times. Yeah. Um, change up change up some of the segments, you know, figure out what like what parts of the show are actually good (laughs) uh i have a new segment that i've been working on uh that jimmy i've told you a little bit about i don't want to like spoil anything for the for the listeners but i'm very excited about the new segment so i want to make sure to make time for that yes that'll Um, be good but yeah i could totally see us doing like a bonus episode of gx or something in the meantime i think that'd be fun 
Uh, GX has a winged Karibo, I know, as like a, a major recurring character. Uh, oh, a I, major recurring character. Yeah, he's it's like a sidekick. Uh, I don't remember really? much more about GX beyond that. <laughs> Which one is GX again? GX is the one, it's the series that takes place, to my understanding, immediately after like this version of Yu-Gi-Oh! After Duel Monsters Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, so in like four or five seasons or whatever. Uh, and it is about a school that has been established, uh, or I guess maybe one of many schools that's been established that teaches dual monsters. Oh, that's right. The dueling school. Yeah. So it's about the main or... character whose name is Jaden. Uh, I could Smith? Google it, but I'm not going to. Yeah. It's about Jaden Smith. Uh, who goes to? It would a not surprise academy. me in the least if Jaden Smith was super good at Yu-Gi-Oh. I mean, wasn't that just the whole plot of that Yu-Gi-Oh? Uh, uh, what was that show that he made about the protagonist with the pink hair? Wasn't that Jaden Smith? Neo Yokio. Neo Yokio. Thank you. Isn't that isn't that just it? It's just Jaden Smith saying, "Look at me, I'm good at Yu-Gi-Oh." I never watched it, so I have me no neither. Idea. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so he goes to Dueling Academy and, like, has adventures there. Dueling Academy. Uh, one of the, one of the teachers, the only other thing I remember about this is one of the teachers looks like a, maybe it's the principal, looks like a Phoenix Wright character and loves robots. Oh, if Phoenix Wright is in it, then I'm already on board. No, 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 no. They don't look like Phoenix Wright. They look like a character that would be in Phoenix Wright. There's a oh. big difference. <laughs> Yes, uh, there is. I'll uh, I'll I'll send you a picture and you'll you'll see what I mean. Um, but anyway, yeah, thank you, Boomy, for your email. Uh, really appreciate it. No, we'll uh, like I said, we'll and we'll probably have this more concretely set next week uh, or at a time when I'm fully awake because uh, it's early my time this week. I don't know if yeah, I'll this is the one of open. our the things we've been talking about right now in changing the format is. We are doing this at 12.25 in the morning, my time, and 8.25 in the morning, Tyler's time. Yay, time zones. So uh, Tyler is stumbling around bleary-eyed like what <laughs> I usually am, and I am uh, fully awake and chipper after uh, a long day. So yeah, so we'll see if, uh, if this time works better for us. I am typically up around now anyway, though not talking into a microphone <laughs> so uh, trying to host a podcast while semi-conscious yeah yeah so it's interesting I, I it might be a good thing for us we'll see how we feel at the end of this episode um but anyway yeah so we'll, we'll probably know more details about like how much time we're taking off and what exactly we're changing uh next week but uh i think today jimmy or the the day the episode comes out jimmy uh if uh, you were still planning on doing this, we might put some polls up on like Facebook or not Facebook, uh, Twitter and Instagram uh, about like what people like about the show, like what segments are good, what segments we should toss, uh, how they feel about the length, that sort of thing. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Again, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out. Yeah. Remind cool. me to do that. I don't remember when. Or at what time of day you upload these. So When they're done. <laughs> I'll text you, though. It'll be fine. Okay. Uh, okay, cool. Is there anything else you want to you wanna talk about before we discuss the episode? No, let's get into it. It's time to discuss the episode. Jimmy, as I mentioned, this week is Season 1, Episode 48, Dungeon Dice Monsters, 
part three of four. So of we're, four. this is the penultimate episode of the first season of Yu-Gi-Oh. Can I tell you something? It does not feel penultimate to me. No, this feels it really like doesn't. We should have gotten this like halfway through. Well, okay. We were on Duelist Kingdom halfway through the season. We should have gotten this like episode five or something. I don't know. Like after we know what Duel Monsters is, we should have like a two episode arc of this upstart hotshot who's like, but what if dice? And then we move on. And then there's like, no, your game is dumb. We're playing this game. Right. <laughs> Someone just picks up Duke Devlin and just like physically carries him away. <laughs> no, child. We're not playing your game. We're playing dual monsters. Go away. Uh, the adults are talking. This episode especially is just games. like... Uh, this episode is very much... Well, we'll get into it. It doesn't feel like the end of a season. No, it, it, it feels like there should be a lot more build up. But it just really highlights that this is just kind of a filler arc that they kind of stuck like a useless appendage on the end of the actual story. Mm -hmm. They were like, oh, what if Yugi had to play a game where he couldn't use cards? Woo, what would that be like? And it's not like it's not interesting. Like, I get the whole, oh, uh, Duke is mad at Yugi because Yugi beat Pegasus and now Pegasus won't return his emails. Like, I get that thing. And that's that's like, uh, I don't know if interesting is the right word, but it's <laughs> compared to the rest of the series, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting development of like, oh, here is a new sort of villainous character that has a motivation other than I want to be the best at a card game. Yeah. Uh, or I want to steal uh, souls, um, that sort of thing. You know, the the, the classic motivations, uh, card games. <laughs> the and duality souls of man, <laughs> card games uh, and souls. But it, it just like, okay, so like case in point. So I, I read the synopsis of the episode before I actually started watching it. And I was already like, oh shit, I am not going to like this. Because the synopsis of the episode is one sentence. Are you ready? Like, we've had paragraph, like, multi-paragraph synopses before. Yeah, they're long. It's one, one sentence. Yugi manages to get ahead of Duke in the duel, but falls victim to an unfamiliar, wow, unfamiliar rule, which prevents him from summoning any more monsters. Wow, sounds like it's going to be a real exciting episode, guys. Yugi's like, well, facing off against his worst nemesis, an unfamiliar rule. <laughs> It's like the classic story archetypes. It's like man versus God, man versus man, man versus self, man versus unfamiliar rule in card game. I was about to say, I mean, that's just Dungeons and Dragons right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was already like, I, I don't know. This this episode is probably going to be pretty formulaic. It's going to be Duke and, and Yugi dueling, and then Duke is going to do his fucking Steve Jobs. Oh, one more thing. <laughs> and then pull out the fucking I don't know the dueling gun. iPod. Uh, yeah, the gun. He pulls out a gun, and just shoots Yugi. I mean, like at this point, he's like, "Oh, I forgot. There's one more rule, uh, and that rule is I win." <laughs> and then Yugi would say, "Wait a second, you didn't make this game. You just copied Jimmy Wins from the hit podcast. You activated my podcast." <laughs> and then we sue him. 
And then we sue him. Uh, heart of the dot card slash Jimmy wins, just in case anyone's interested in that. <laughs> yes, uh, you, really hard. Tyler, listeners, I would, I really want to point out that Tyler actually went and made a PDF, a PDF file of like the entire rules of Jimmy wins and like a logo for it and everything. Impossibly, which I was not expecting. Impossibly, it good. is a two-page PDF. <laughs> I do not know how that happened. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's a I game for one to seven billion to players. Uh, it requires uh, the only re- required material is one Jimmy. <laughs> it requires that I be there. Yeah, exactly. So you know, uh, go download it. Um, anyway, so we get in this episode. Uh, there's no like previously on Yu-Gi-Oh thing before the intro, which I always think is interesting because in this arc, the one good decision they've made is they start with letting the characters diegetically recap the episode for you, which needs to happen in more things. Like I love, we were watching a lot of drag race recently uh, because there's a new season out and it's on Netflix and everything. Uh, It's coming out weekly on Netflix. And I, I love that they do a recap every week because I can't remember like, oh, who went home, who's fighting, whatever. And I really wish that instead of a recap, they just had like RuPaul sit down and go, okay, here's here's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they start with like kids outside the game store. Anyways, yeah, where I was it's going the with that. crowd from last time um, just explaining at length what's going on to each other. I can't believe Yugi Moto agreed to give up dual monsters forever if he loses at this new game. It's like, yeah, me too, kid. Me too. <laughs> it's that very is a pretty like, stupid thing Yugi did, huh? Yeah. It, <laughs> I love I love that there's still... Because this has been going on for presumably at least 40 minutes now, right? Or, uh, no, I guess at least 20 minutes of this duel. Because episode one of this arc wasn't... There wasn't anything real happening there yeah uh and uh they've said it like three times already because i'm pretty sure that same child was just as bewildered in the last episode going i can't believe he did it i can't believe he did it and it's just like that one kid that you really want to shut up at the movies like like a plot twist happens in an avengers movie and he goes i can't believe iron man did that i can't i can't believe i can't believe iron man did okay sorry i say kid what I really mean is, you know, there's always that, yeah, there's always that one couple and like the dude was not paying attention and it's his wife being like, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe he did that. And the, the dude just being like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, don't talk during movies. What's wrong Don't. It's bad. There's a special layer of hell for you if you talk in movies. Um, but yeah, and then we, we just jump back into the duel. Uh, you had a, a fun first note here, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my first note is Taya has a cool jacket. I know she we does have on a their, cool jacket. They're clothes before, but her jacket's pretty cool. I'm trying to remember cause I, I watched this last night. I'm trying to remember, uh, cause I, I also recognize the cool jacket. This is the one that's like the cropped jean jacket, right? No, this is a pure white jacket. Oh, yeah. For whatever reason, it gave me denim vibes. I don't it know why. It looks like it could be a denim jacket. I've seen I've seen white denim jackets before. That's a that's a decent look if you can oh, pull maybe, it off. Yeah, I've thought maybe about it. Is. it. Maybe it is denim. Uh, it, doesn't, maybe, it doesn't matter. She's it's also, I think, wearing a turtleneck under it, which firmly mm-hmm. cements them being in the 90s. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, I really appreciate that they did the thing with Taya where, like, 
she's in quote unquote civilian clothes now, like they're not in their school uniforms. And she just dresses, she dresses like she misses her school uniform, but also like wishes the school uniform looked better. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like a lot of it's like the same cut and everything as the school uniforms. It's just like, oh, this looks like a better material or is a better color on you. And they didn't go the direction of like, she's not dressing like her new bestie, my Valentine. I just had a thought. Hmm. I was wondering why did these kids wear their school uniforms to that island? But maybe they didn't plan to. It was a spur of the moment thing. And that's why they were completely unprepared and had zero supplies whatsoever when they got to the island. Because they were just like, wow, let's go to this fun island and duel each other after school. And then they were just stuck there overnight for a I week. Mean, I mean, yeah, I, like, yeah, no, I, I like that explanation. Not for the, like, I think the trip itself was planned, even though one of them had to cheat to get in and two of them stowed away. Uh, but I, I do think it was left unclear by Pegasus's invitation exactly how long they would be stuck on that island. So I think maybe they were just like, oh yeah, it'll be like a day trip. And Pegasus was like, hmm, welcome to my live action rendition of Lord of the Flies. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going um, to decapitate whom first over a card game? I'm just picturing now if Pegasus had directed a remake of Sleepaway Camp. Have you watched Sleepaway Camp? I have not. Oh, it's fucking... It is terrifying. The last shot of Sleepaway Camp uh, will burn itself into your brain and you will be unable to think about anything else for maybe six months. Yikes, okay. Uh, It's batshit crazy. But if Pegasus had directed it, it would be... Just kids sitting around dueling and then him strutting his stuff and being all cool the whole time. Uh, and then everyone, it would, it would have a happy ending probably. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think maybe in the real world, the more plausible explanation is that like the showrunner realized that they've been animating them in their school clothes this whole time. And that makes no goddamn sense. Um, I'm also just now thinking about the logistics of like they wore the same underwear for a week straight that's which nasty. sounds bad yeah We're, let's move on <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh we also get the cheerleaders uh who kind of start off the episode in earnest they're doing a cheer about how shitty a dog joey is it's yeah. not like it's not their usual cheer about how great Duke is. It's about how bad Joey is at being a dog. <laughs> they have created a new form of cheerleading, which is called taunt leading, where instead of cheering for your team, you just insult the other team. Mm, I like that. I like that. It's very, it's very U G L Y. You ain't got, you got no alibi. alibi. You, you ugly. ugly. Hey, hey. Uh, ugly. Except in this case, it's D O G. You ain't got no alibi. You dog. <laughs> Something like that. I'll work. I'll workshop it. Um, and yeah, and he's like, he's like kind of fed up with it, but is also showing fewer and fewer signs of resistance every time it shows up. Yeah. He is starting to like lean into the role of dog, which I'm a little weirded out by. I mean, to the point where like he, he sort of mopes off in the corner 
And then Tristan's like, well, at least he's not howling. Or maybe Taya says it. And then immediately, he, Joey looks over, looks over his shoulder, and he's on all fours already, and he just starts howling like a dog, yeah. like along with the cheer. And then Taya looks back at Tristan, and she goes, I'm not housebreaking him. <laughs> Which There's is a, a good line. Of... Yeah. But I also worry about the mental health of their friend. Yeah. They're, they have a lot of just bad dog-based jokes in this episode. I, feel... I mean, it's it's been a long time coming for Joey, I think. I think we've had so many dog-related insults thrown at him that I think it was just a matter of time before, just before the poor kid broke down, you know? Like, this is mm-hmm. why, you, for the children listening at home, ask your parents. Uh, no, no, no. For the children listening at home, don't make fun of people. Like, it sucks, and it doesn't make you a good person. Uh for the adults listening at home, yo, this is fucked up, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, pretty sure uh, this has caused Joey uh, a great deal of trauma, and now he's gotten some sort of awful fetish about it. Yeah, it's it's mm, yeah, it's like a weird sub dom thing where he's like not thrilled about being the sub, but he's also con- like that's kind of he's where not he avoiding thrives. it. Yeah. Uh, so in the duel, moving, yeah, <laughs> moving along, along to the actual Joey's game that's happening, uh, Yugi, uh, yet again, throws the dice in slow motion, uh, while monologuing to himself about how he has to win the duel or he'll have to give up dueling or he'll lose his duel. Sorry, I fell asleep while thinking about that. <laughs> it's such a weird monologue because he just like throws the dice. He says, oh, pardon me. He says, go dice roll again, because that's still a necessity. Yeah, every time they roll dice, just th- know that they are also yelling, go dice roll. We don't have to talk about it every time, but it is something that they do and is obnoxious. It continues it to be upsetting. Terrible, terrible catchphrase. Uh, he throws the dice, and five minutes later, they land, uh, and he gets two times two magic crests. Now let me Bonus let me unpack multiplier. this. Yeah, this is something that has not been mentioned at all up until this point. The dice, in addition to having crests that can do things like summon or move or attack or magic or trap or something else, uh, they also have multipliers on the face of the die themselves. So if you get a summoning times two crest. That gives you two summoning crests, which you can then like save for use later on or, or do whatever. So he rolls two magic crests, which each have a times two multiplier, which means that he has four magic crests. We have never seen this before, and I'm not entirely sure if we see it again, but... We do not. <laughs> <laughs> this is a one-time use rule, apparently. Uh... And yeah, so he uh, uses these magic crests to activate the Thunderball's special attack. Thunderball, not the James Bond movie, but the monster that he played last uh, episode. The fat little bowling ball robot. Uh, Who's kind of my favorite. I'm going to be honest. It's very cute. It's very cute. It's literally just a bowling ball with like little robot arms and legs sticking out. But... Uh, it needs magic to turn into a ball, even though it already is a ball. 
And so it uh, starts rolling and it dodongos around the field into the blast <laughs> lizard and... Um, Thunderball because... used roll out. It was very effective. <laughs> and yeah, it is very effective because it just keeps rolling and rolling because it hits gator dragon and blast lizard. Thank you. I had I could not keep track of which lizard was being hit there because so far Both as I can them. remember, all of the lizard like all of the monsters on Duke's side are just one form of lizard man or another. <laughs> Oops, but all okay. lizards. Blast lizard and gator dragon. You know, the two iconic lizards. <laughs> as we all know. Uh and at this point Duke is like, not bad. You even learned how to use the help screen. Yeah. Help screen? <laughs> So it cuts to a shot of Yugi, and the entire time, these past two episodes or whatever, he's just had a laptop kind of clamped to the side of his dueling arena thing the entire time, with the game rules open on it in some sort of wiki. Yeah, it's like it's got like a like a dueling search engine up. Yeah, and the entire last episode he was losing so bad. It's just because he couldn't be arsed to turn 60 degrees to his right and look in the at the like the full like table of contents of the game rules there. I mean to be fair, like again, this isn't something that's mentioned at all last episode. No. So like did he have to like hack into the help screen? Was it was it turned off maybe before and he was just like poking buttons until something happened? I don't remember seeing this laptop there before, so I think it was just invented wholesale for this episode. <laughs> as in a way to explain you new, getting good at stuff a new kaiba invention uh yeah but so so duke is like ah yes you've seen the ipad that i put there next to you uh it's been there the whole time and yugi's like yeah beep, it has boop, a free beep. pdf of the game rules on it so you can try right. it out yourself <laughs> uh and uh yugi uh shows that he's used the help screen to learn that thunderball uh, has a, a not only a special attack, but he can use his saved crests to have it use the special attack twice. So he he uses three crests this time instead of four for some reason. I don't know. I don't understand. Uh, but he has saved crests from previous rolls that allow Thunderball to uh, go again, which is how it gets uh, Thunder Dragon Blast. <laughs> Gator Blast Dragon and Blast Lizard. Thank you. One of those. And then he says, Okay, Duke, now we have a game. <laughs> uh, at which point we cut to the outside of the store. Yes. Where everyone is watching the game that has been <laughs> happening, uh, but apparently we have not had it until now. Just now. And Grandpa is there. He's come to scope out the competition. And he wants to see what all the fuss is about, so he crawls on his ends, his hands and knees, you know, like old people do, uh, underneath the crowd. And yeah, I mean he, that that tracks, right? Like here I am, a grown man showing up outside a game store, and I want to get closer to the game store. Oh, let me crawl between people's legs like a child. Yeah, and I mean he's already like the shortest adult we've seen in this entire show, and pretty much any anime I've ever seen. That's yep. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and so he gets to the front of the crowd, and he looks up at the giant screen that they're all watching, and uh, it's a close-up of the cheerleaders dancing. And No, 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 no. Okay, before we even see that, we see just Grandpa's face, and he looks up, 
and his eyes turn into these giant hearts. Oh yeah. That start like beating and he goes, Wow, beautiful, amazing, breathtaking. And then it cuts to the over the shoulder shot and reveals that on the giant TV or set of TVs or whatever is just shots of the cheerleaders dancing. Yeah. So now he's finally acting like uh, his self in the manga where he's a total perf on these, these teenage girls. Is that how he is in the manga? Yeah. Do you remember him? Like the first time, literally the first time in the manga we see grandpa, he's talking to Taya about how she's grown in her, like her chest has grown. And she's oh, filling yeah. out her clothes. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I remember that. It's it's such like, it's so weird because they, they do that shot and then he tries to save it with, I wish I had a TV as nice as this one. Uh, and he like gropes the television itself, I think, to try and sell it off as like, this TV is so nice and I want a TV. Yeah. But it also sort of plays like, I wish I had a better TV with which to watch cheerleaders. <laughs> kind of. I I read it as more of a, like a lampshade hanging on the, the trope where you think he's looking at the cheerleaders, but it's the TV. And I don't know if that's what the actual, like the original Japanese version was, or if that's something the American animators or writers came up with. I'd because... be willing to bet it's a translated thing. Like, especially if that's his character in the manga, uh, it would not at all surprise me if that's something that they edited in just to, like, sort of save themselves a little bit. Yeah. Wacky old grandpa. Yeah, there's no <laughs> way four kids would allow that sort of thing. No, and they're not going to reanimate that scene, right? Just eh, just record a different line. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so he uh, is watching uh, the cheerleaders and being a creep, and then it cuts to a shot of Yugi, and he goes, wait a second, that's my grandson. <laughs> it's <laughs> not enough they take my business, but my grandson too. <laughs> He doesn't he doesn't fully understand what's happening here uh for a few minutes and then I think he realizes oh Yugi is in a duel. Oh no, they've stolen my grandson's soul in a VHS tape now too. <laughs> oh yeah, that must be a thing that he lives in constant fear of. Yeah, do you like, think he has just a phobia of VHS tapes and televisions now? I think he can only watch live television. <laughs> he banned Maybe VCRs. Yeah. Uh, but so it cuts back to the duel and, uh, what is, how does this start? Cause all I have down is Yugi says inventing a game doesn't mean you can't be beaten at it. Yeah. Uh, he's, he, he, Duke is just finally, he, Duke has not spoken a line this entire episode up until now, but now he's finally talking again and he's taunting Yuzi for, he taunts Yugi for using the help screen that he installed at his own. Uh, oh, that's right. No, that's arena. yeah. That's his first line of like, "Oh wow, you learned how to use the help screen." Yeah, and then he makes fun of Yugi for having to use the help screen. Yeah, and that he'll never know dice monsters as well as he does because he invented it. Yeah, that's how it works. You invent a game, of course, you know the rules better than random people who are playing it for the first time. So. Uh, similar to Jimmy Wins, here's the sequel, Jimmy Wins 2. And what are the rules? The rules okay, are, hang on, hold 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 on. Is it Jimmy Wins number two or Jimmy Wins T-O-O? 
Both are equally good. Okay. I'm sorry. Continue. What are the rules? The rules are, I'm not telling you, therefore I'm better than you at the game. Ha ha ha. That makes me superior. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Listeners of the show can go to heartofthe.card slash jimmywins2 to download the rules for jimmywins2. That that's the whole thing that Devlin is bragging about, that he doesn't tell Yugi the rules and that makes him better at the game. Yeah, that's it's that's not a thing, bud. It's such a childlike thing. Like I think he's too old to make this argument, but I so clearly remember making and hearing this argument as a kid, being like, "I know a thing." But I'm not going to tell you what the thing is because that will steal my power, right? That yeah. will take power away from me. Knowing a thing makes me better than you. Uh, unfortunately, because I was the child that I was, the thing that I knew was the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, well, that about would as get you praise as... in many circles. Right. <laughs> but in Devlin's case, uh, I don't think he is worthy of praise for making up rules to a game and then expecting to get praise for it for not telling people. Yeah, I mean, okay, so, like, if we're going to talk about this in a, in a very real sense, the the sort of uh, ludological narrative of, of the series, the point of games is to have something where you have a test of skill or of luck or of nerve... Uh, in which one or many of multiple competitors can uh, achieve success or, you know, come out on top or win it, however you want to say it. Uh, Having a set of rules that only one person knows so that only one person can win is not a game. That's a book. (laughs) Except you can't read the book. Right. It's a it's a diary. Yeah. <laughs> it's a private journal. Uh it's it's a locked live journal page. Uh that Duke is trying to lord over Yugi at this point and he's like, "Yeah, I have the rules, but fuck you for reading them." Yeah, this is the equivalent of Devlin writing in his diary and then mocking you for not knowing what's in his diary. Right, and then you open the diary and it's just, haha, you read this. <laughs> Which is actually funny. <laughs> it would be better than, than what, what's happening in the show right now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like Duke, I don't know, is just being kind of a, a dick here. Uh, and he continues to insist that Yugi cheated to beat Pegasus. Which, I mean, to be fair, is kind of true. Uh, but also Pegasus had his mind, like... Duke doesn't know all the details here. Yeah. Everybody there was cheating. It was the 90s. Everyone was cheating at card games. Uh, and uh, Duke rolls the dice, and he holds his turn. Uh, passes his turn, I guess I should say. Uh, Yugi uh, summons... A th- he rolls, and he dimensions the dice, and he summons the Knight of Twin Swords. Which is just a... Guy dual-wielding swords. But they're twins. He's got two of them. He's got two of them. Uh, But it's way out on the side of the board, so it's not within range to hit anything. 
Uh, and at this point, Duke re-explains the rule about saving crests. Uh, he, he explains that he has some crests save up. And then Joey goes, uh, crests, crests, what, what is all this talk about crests? What's going on? Because he hasn't been paying attention for the previous episode. So Duke re-explains the whole you can save crests rule. And then Joey says back what he has learned. So we get another explanation of the crests rule. And then Taya off on the side says, oh, yeah, they can save crests. <laughs> so we get an explanation of the rules three times, which I think is very helpful. Yeah, and Yugi saves his crests. And then Duke says, so at least you've become skilled at conserving your crests. It's about time. Uh, and after all this explanation, Joey is like getting very invested in the game. But the cheerleaders tell him to not pay attention to the, the dice rules, but instead to concentrate on dog rules uh, because he is a bad dog and yeah he's just stopped resisting that at this point which i think is yeah uh bad i want to point out uh, also kind of works joey has somehow gotten like wood and paint to like make a sign like a protest sign type thing and he's painted a giant question mark on it while describing his confusion about the crests yeah it's very like he's turned into like a wily e. coyote kind of character where he yeah. just can produce a sign that says however he's feeling it's very slapstick humor mm -hmm. where he's just pulling this sign out of nowhere uh <laughs> we get a, a close-up of uh duke's face while he's looking at yugi and yugi's like studying the the help screen again duke's pupils are worryingly small in this shot like it's just a shot of the eyes pretty much and his eyes are like if you picture and this isn't how it's like this isn't to scale or anything but if you picture his eyes as like a grapefruit the pupil is like if you took a sharpie and put a dot on the grapefruit yeah this is in contrast to literally every other character in the entire show uh, I think it's meant to show that he's a bad guy because, like, the eyes are the window to the soul and all that sort of thing. Um, ah. But it just makes him look like he's on some sort of... Some drug that would be, like, the opposite of those eye drops that dilate your eyes. Yeah, it's... I don't know. It's like he's on something dangerous, right? Like, yeah, maybe, maybe he had too much coffee that morning. <laughs> he is on, th like, four cups. <laughs> He's, he he secretly chugged a five-hour energy right before this duel. Oh my god, my friend is a barista and told me um, the other day someone came into her Starbucks and got a cup with like 13 shots of espresso in it. Fuck. And that is what Duke Devlin is on. It just doesn't... A, that's not going to taste good. No. Because that's going to get super bitter. But... B, like, why? 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 That's why. Just sleep. Physically dangerous. Yeah. But it definitely sounds like something uh, like a high school student would do just to yes. be cool and edgy. And that is absolutely 100% in line with uh, with Duke Devlin's personality. Yeah, ab absolutely. Duke is the kind of kid who uh, snorts pixie sticks. Uh, yeah, I knew that kid. Yeah. I knew several Don't... of that kid. Again, Children, if you are listening to this, don't do that. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything besides hurt your nose. 
yeah, it's it's dangerous, it's painful, and like, why would you want to emulate that kind of behavior? Just just leave it. Just eat pixie sticks the normal way, like a normal person. You get much more enjoyment out of it that way. Pixie sticks never did anything to you. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Tristan and Taya take some time to make more fun of Joey, I guess? Yeah, they're reacting to, uh, Joey's, like, constant back and forth with the cheerleaders, and they make even more dog jokes. Uh, Tristan says, boy, that's rough, and Taya says, it's a dog's life. Oh my god. (laughs) I didn't read, I, I didn't read rough as being, like, R-U-F-F. It didn't when occur to me until it? I wrote it down here. And it's like, oh, maybe he was like making a rough joke. Yeah, no, that's and pretty good. there's a that's lot of low-hanging fruit like that in these the constant dog comments in this episode. Yeah. Uh, Duke, meanwhile, is concerned that Yugi has been learning the game so quickly. I wonder if it has anything to do with the help screen that he put there. Yeah, um... He he's having his like inner monologue, just in anger, looking at Yugi reading the help screen. He's like, "Some of the things he's learned in minutes took me weeks to come up with." Like, yeah, that's how game design works. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the point, right? Like, you want to work hard to make things easy to comprehend, so that that's why you that's wrote the down the rules to be understandable. Right, like easy to easy to pick up, difficult to master. I think is kind of the the like golden standard of this kind of game, right? But, oh well, I don't know. Duke is like difficult to pick up, difficult to master unless you're me because I'm a genius and the best one. Bwahaha, bwahaha. Uh, uh, what, what actually happens next though? Duke summons, uh, oh, Duke summons the battle ox along with the worst phrase to ever be, ever be uttered on television. He says the full chant, I suppose, dimension the dice and unlock my creature, <laughs> which uh, is a choice that I will respect. I won't. But I do not have to condone it. I will. Okay, here's how I'll say it. I believe in Duke's right to say the words dimension the dice and unlock my creature, but I do not agree with that particular choice. <laughs> Much like my view on Republicans. <laughs> I'm wondering now if the arena that they have has some sort of limited voice recognition. Oh, you think so? Like, that's how it... Yeah, and, and like, you can push the dice in, but it doesn't, like, activate until you say the catchphrase, Dimension the Dice. Maybe that's why the help screen appeared. It was It was tucked away until Yugi was like, man, I wish I had some help. It's like and then in Clippy the, pops up. I see you're trying to fight a duel. Yeah, it's like in the DS ports of um, Phoenix Wright, where it has the option to say to yell objection instead of just pressing the objection button. But they the completely mobile re- version still has that. It's so good. <laughs> but they completely remove the uh, the option to just press objection, and so f- for the purposes of this card game, you just have to yell dimension the dice. I mean, m- yeah. May, like that would make it make more sense why they're shouting it every time. I truly don't think you need to say anything. I I like especially go dice roll. Like no, just roll the dice. That's yeah, not going to do have anything to command to the... the dice to roll. Right. I don't know. 
so he summons the battle ox and I was mostly sure up until this point, but this does solidify it for me that these are just dual monsters monsters, which like, okay, I, I get like you want to have familiar characters in your game or whatever, but that means that you're straight up boosting IP from dual monsters. Yeah. Like, did he license these? Did he get permission from Pegasus to use dual monsters? It's really not clear. Dungeon Dice Monsters is like one of those um, licensed Munchkin games where it's Munchkin, but they take like the X Men Munchkin or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. This is that where he just uses their IP uh, in his game. And it's like it brings up a questionable like legal case, I think. I think maybe if, if Pegasus were around, he might be I mean he's I guess he's already seen the game, so maybe he gave it the yeah. okay. But like seeing it broadcast live around the world in real time, uh I, I think he'd be like, wait a second, this little shit's making money off of my hard work now. Huh. Yeah, and it's heavily implied that he hasn't signed any of the paperwork yet. So this well, is that's the whole reason that Duke's angry. Yeah, and it's so this is like uh, an unauthorized mod that they're trying to get published through legal channels, right? Like official sanctioned channels, and so oh, he, this is the start of PUBG. This is exactly the start of PUBG. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've never had to say PUBG out loud before. PUBG, PUBG, <laughs> uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Uh, see, I always see PUBG, and I think of Pickup Artist Battlegrounds, <laughs> which would be a much funnier game. <laughs> the Mr. E game, Pickup Artist Battlegrounds, in which a hundred men enter, but only one can get the girl. <laughs> oh fuck, that would be a worse game. That'd be such a bad game. Uh, <laughs> Ox attacks knight is my note here so the ox attacks the knight of twin swords yugi uses a crest to switch the knight into defense mode oh i have more notes here oh good okay because he has the worst possible lines uh this is the like the worst shit talking you could possibly come up with it's all like something a little kid would come up with to sound cool in a fan i think i just blocked this out of my mind he says you can't avoid my creature once I use my four-stored movement crest to have him charge in for an attack. That's like... This yeah, is like, that's, I have the power it, of God in anime on my side. <laughs> right, exactly. It's especially in the context of like, there are rules to this game that I won't tell you and that makes me better, but let me ramble off this this like complex move that I'm making that may not make sense to you because I won't let you read the rules. He's trying to sound badass and also cram in a whole bunch of exposition at the same time. So it just comes off really clumsy. And then, so the ox goes to attack the knight and he says, here he comes, Yugi invading your turf. And you better believe this bull knows how to fight. (laughs) As opposed to other bulls? That have not known how to fight? Yeah. What? Uh, okay, maybe I'm getting a little sleepy now that it's 1 a.m. Uh, all right, so the ox attacks the knight. 
Yugi puts the knight in defense mode, so it stays alive. Which is apparently a thing you can do. Thanks, help screen. Uh, and uh, Yugi, it's on Yugi's turn. Uh, the bull so... has a boosted attack against like soldier. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, guys. Yeah. So it has mm-hmm. a, a an attack power boost, but since he put it in defense mode, um, it's defense raises, I think, or something along those well, lines. It's, its defense points are higher than its attack points. Yeah. So it takes it takes some health away from the monster, but not enough to kill it. It takes like two thirds of its health, but it still is yeah, left and- alive. And that, I think, is the third number that we've been seeing that we haven't known what it was, is that's their health points. So yeah. each monster has health points now as opposed to just ha- attack and defense. So uh, Yugi's turn, he rolls, and he gets some crest or another to activate the knight's special ability, which can let it attack the ox twice, uh, just like in a row. He's really into attacking twice this yeah. episode. He taps of, one red attacks. mana to give it double strike until end of turn. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so the knight attacks, the ox dies, and the cheerleaders, in sort of a, a sorrowful cheer, call Duke the worst nickname of all goddamn time, Dookie Poo. <laughs> Which is not one, but two ways of saying shit. <laughs> call him shit shit. Uh, Duke sort of realizes oh ox died whatever and then begins to cackle maniacally you know as good guys do right it's it's the most unsettling like slow build joker ass laugh uh and then he reveals that actually this was his plan the whole time uh because uh he it has just been building out his dungeon path, which is the name of like, so if you listen to the previous episode, when the, the dice get dimensioned, they, they unfold and the six sides of the die become part of the map. And that's like the floor that the monsters can walk along. Yeah. They form passageways so your creatures can move around. And that's the dungeon path. And apparently, when the dice unfold, they can't pass over tiles that have already been filled. And Duke reveals that he has not only built a path from his heart points to Yugi's heart points, but he's also built a path across the the width of the board so that Yugi can't play any dice beyond a certain point. He has no way to build a path to Duke's heart points at this point. So, uh... He, which is confusing cackles. to me, because mm-hmm. when you when you place a when sorry when you dimension a die for the first yeah, time, please, use use the proper vernacular. <laughs> when you dimension a die for the first time, it unfolds at your life point. So wouldn't that stop? If you can't send your monsters onto the field, wouldn't that stop them from ever getting to your life points? Because he could just you know, he he might good like, fill up his side of the field and not be able to connect new pathways but they can still move along duke's pathways to get to his life points yeah and somebody explains that actually so he he cackles some more and then he explains a second time everything that i just said in basically the same way uh and then Taya explains it a third time 
sort of mimicking what we saw earlier in the episode. So you get three explanations of this this path thing. And then they do point out, just what you said, Jimmy, where he can still move monsters along Duke's path, but those monsters then have to face each of Duke's monsters along the way. So they're more likely to just get creamed somewhere somewhere in there. Yeah. So a quick strategy would be to build a path straight out from your life points to near where your opponent is and then just blockade the field. And so they'll run out of room to bring out new monsters. Right, exactly. That's Presumably. that's the other thing, too, is because you need the six spaces for each monster, He doesn't. he's running out of space to summon new monsters. There just isn't a place to put the die to dimension it. So at this point, Duke gets more dice from the dice automator. And... Uh, Apparently gets very aroused uh, by what he has drawn. Uh, and he, he, what does he say at this point? He's like, oh, oh my, Yugi, look at this. Oh, oh, yeah. oh dear. He gets super excited, uncomfortably so. Uh, and he picks up a black die. Ooh, spooky. And he goes, what does this look like? And Yugi goes, looks like a, a black die. And he goes, yes. This is a very rare and powerful black die, which, like, if you made the game, is anything really rare for you, considering you could just print more of them? Yeah. Unclear. Just... But he keeps calling it the rare and powerful black die. Uh, and he he rolls it, and then he dimensions it. God, I can't believe I'm still saying that word as though it's normal. Uh, and he reveals that it is the Warp Vortex. Warp Vortex. Uh, which is just a wormhole for monsters. Yeah, it's like uh, in StarCraft, I forget the Nidus Tunnel, where when you're playing Zerg, you can make the giant oh, worm yeah. and then have your guys go into the worm and they tunnel underground and pop out somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It's basically just a portal. Yep. And but this you have is... to get two... Warp Vortex die rolls in order to place the opposite side of the Warp Vortex. Exactly. Yeah, this is just one half of the wormhole. Uh, And so he reveals that a monster can go in and then come out wherever the other uh, Warp Vortex is. Because now you're thinking with portals. Uh, And (laughs) at this point, my note, I kind of just tuned out here for a second. Because all I could think was like... What a fucking dunce this kid is. He owns all of the dice, makes all of the dice. Why does he keep calling this the rare black dice when he could just stack his deck with them? Yeah, just take all the best game-winning dice and... And, like, he programmed the computer system, the the dice automator, quote-unquote. Why can't he just tell it to give him the dice that he wants? Because it's cheating, just, and apparently he's angry about cheaters. Why can't he just have dice that have all one, like, all the faces are the same? You know? Like, yeah. oh, I, I rolled what I needed every time. Haha. Don't look at the die too closely. I'll show it to you from across the arena to show you that it's a real die. But, you, like, right? Like... If he was going to learn anything from Pegasus, it should be that if you make a game, you can go to any length to ensure 
that you are the best one at that game. By not just like, I will play it normally and my advantage will be not explaining the rules. Yeah. He ha- the advantage he should be, uh... I will tell you all the rules and let you become a, a quote-unquote master, but then I'll just have an unfair advantage because here's the, the card that never went into publication. He hasn't learned that trick from Pegasus yet. I guess. Anyway. Uh, Yugi summons Strike Ninja. Uh, which I w- is a a ninja card. Yeah, as the name implies. I want to point out, it looks exactly like this guy would be in an F-Zero character. So he's a ninja, right? But then he has this mm-hmm. like star-shaped eye mask and then like yeah. a vent mouth. There's no get... Because his, his whole thing is going fast. Yeah. Uh, he also every... looks like he would fight the Power Rangers or something. Yes, that's exactly that what I was thinking. Thought. His whole thing is like for every one move crest, he can move three spaces, but it just looks like he's like waiting for the Power Rangers to teach him about the power of good so that he can break the bonds from like the evil power that has fueled him up until now, and then he'll become the White Ranger. Uh, but yeah, also he would probably have a pretty sick F-Zero car. Oh, yeah. It'd are they be, still called cars in F-Zero, or are they, sh- like, ships? Uh, the official terminology is machine. Ah. I'm gonna say car. <laughs> <laughs> we know what you're talking uh, about. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, I so, think it's kind of disrespectful to re- refer to the Blue Falcon as a car, but anyway, that's beside the It's a the go-go point. mobile. <laughs> uh, so Yugi summons Strike Ninja, he moves super fast, Duke... Draws again, and he gets the second rare black die that he needs. Convenient. At this point, I'm starting to think, huh, maybe Duke's not as dumb as I think he is. Uh, they do a, a commercial break thing. Did you notice this? Where, yeah. like, Yugi, Yugi says, uh, if he summons another warp vortex, I'm finished. And then a commercial break happens, and then it comes out of the commercial, and Yugi's saying, if Duke summons another warp vortex, it's all over. It's the exact same shot, and, like, zoom into Yugi's face. He just has a slightly different line. Yeah, it's just a different take, I guess, of the same the same VO line. Yeah, but it's just kind uh, of jarring when there's no actual commercials. Yeah. <laughs> Netflix really, I think, fucks up shows with commercial breaks. I want, I want like, a fake commercial in here somewhere. Like, Yu-Gi-Oh! is brought to you by Crest. <sighs> Keep those pearly whites pearly white and summon Exodia. It's time to dentist? I don't know. It's time for dental hygiene. Yuke? Yuke? I tried to say Yugi and Duke simultaneously. You know those guys. You know, those guys. Yuke uh, is who Duke... would result if they got in a transporter accident. <laughs> Yugi is no more. I am Yuke now. They get two fixed uh, together. Oh, God. They they truly would then have the power of God and anime on their side. Uh, Duke rolls the dice again. Doesn't get the warp vortex summon. Uh, and then it passes to Yugi's turn. And Yugi also draws the rare black die. It's the super Ta-da. rare die that has shown up thir- three times in the last minute. Yeah, but it's but it's an ultra rare, <laughs> ultra powerful black die. It's like what uh, I just opened this pack and there's three hollow foil Charizards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yugi rolls it, 
and he gets the summoning crest for the black die, which means that he can now place a warp vortex of his very own uh, in a spot that he has easy access to. Specifically, it goes to the same warp vortex. Right. They are they are now connected. So he can pop into his warp vortex and come out the warp vortex that Duke laid previously. And I have said warp vortex far too many times. Well, you get to say something different soon. So he places it and he sends uh, Strike Ninja into it. <laughs> and, Duke, and Duke says, no, he's gone into the warp hole. <laughs> <laughs> Not my warp hole. Oh. <laughs> Speaking speaking of monsters moving fast, here comes Pepper. Oh, I hear the Hello. the pitter patter of little feet behind me. The, the pitter patter, a little, little pause. Uh, there he goes. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Uh, Jimmy says hi. Hi. Lauren says hi. Uh, so, <laughs> Strike Ninja. I just want to point out, Strike Ninja makes far too many noises when yeah. he moves he's supposed to be sneaky and stealthy but literally every movement he makes even when he's just running he's just like Wah, hoo, yeah, woo. it's 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 the johnny bravo he who ha that's exactly what he's doing it it just and it won't stop is the thing he 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 huh, into the into the warp vortex and no he went into my warp hole hey, huh, hey, hey, whoa. You know what it reminds me of is the scene in uh, Emperor's New Groove when Kronk is doing his own like soundtrack and he's like trying to be yes. sneaky and he's just like he's got his own theme song. Except it's the ninja trying to be sneaky by doing sneak noises. I want to find a way to dub that over that shot of Strike Ninja running. But so yeah, so he pops out the warp hole. Uh, and attacks uh, Ryukushin, who is Duke's monster that's sort of closest to Duke's heart points. Uh, Ryukushin dies. Duke is flustered. Uh, and uh, Oh, I do want to point out. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's Strike Ninja, right? And so yeah. he runs at Ryukushin, and it's that classic anime uh, scenario where two fighters run past each other. And then they stop for a moment, and then it like cuts to the shot of one of the characters, and it looks behind him, and the other character just splits in half and dies. Yeah, 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 like the stereotypical like ninja movie kill. Yeah. This is the first time in an anime I've ever seen someone comment on how long it takes them to die after they do this dramatic shot. Because Joey is watching, and from like off screen we hear him say, what happened? He attacked him and now nothing's going on and then he falls apart right (laughs) yeah it takes so long and i think usually that's supposed to be played for just dramatic effect but joey is having none of it apparently uh so man i'm trying to figure out what happens i reach a point in every duel where i've just stopped kind of caring about the monsters themselves so it makes it difficult to come back to my notes and be like what the fuck happened yeah they're just little imaginary guys fighting each other what is this line that you've just highlighted though uh after uh duke loses ryukushin or dukushin as we may call it i i will i will (laughs) um he like reacts visibly and is shook by this and so the cheerleaders cry out in uh they just wail our little dookie schnook 
Uh no, I don't like that. Which is almost that's like the worst version of the bad. Babadook, <laughs> the Dookie Schnook, the Dookie Schnook, Dookie Schnook, Schnook, Schnook. Nope, not about it. Thank you, thank you. Next, but yeah, I've uh, just started to summarize all the moves that they do. Right, yeah. So so Yugi uh rolls again, and he gets, or pardon me, Duke rolls again and gets nothing. Yugi rolls and gets a set of movement crests, which allows him to advance Strike Ninja to attack Duke's heart points. Yeah, so he sends uh, the ninja just sprinting across the entire field, and Joey off screen again is like, Aw, yeah, I like watching this dude run. <laughs> Man, Joey must flip out at the Olympics, right? I was just thinking oh, yeah, that. watching this dude run. Oh. Imagine him looking at like Usain Bolt and just be like, what is going on? Oh my God, he's <laughs> It's a real so man. That's a human man running that way. <laughs> to be fair, that's how I watch Usain Bolt. So. <laughs> and so Strike Ninja uh, strikes uh, his heart point. <laughs> And Duke, Strike Ninja lives up to his name. And he strikes, and uh, Duke is like, no, my heart point. My singular heart point. Uh, yeah, so he, he uh, you know, goes down a heart point. He's now, they're now two and two, because Yugi lost a heart point in the last episode. Uh, and outside, Grandpa celebrates in front of the TV. He's like, yeah, that's my grandson. Ah, oh, kick butt. And he does like a little punching thing. Uh, and somebody, somebody's like, hey, down in front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, in the background, Tristan and Taya also have this like celebratory fist bump, like fancy thing that they do. It, it's They're super like in the background, so it's hard to see, but they like, he got like goes in for a high five and she like fist bumps him in this like weird move. No, you, you know, it's like it's like they're million dollar babying it. It's like a boxing training thing where he's holding up a hand and Taya punches that hand repeatedly. Yeah, now I'm remembering. Yeah, she's just As like, like a Ugh. form of celebration cuz that makes sense, I guess. It's like, uh, yeah, Yugi's putting putting him on the ropes. So let's all be violent in some way. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Uh so Duke then uh, cackles, as is his favorite reaction. <laughs> I love your note uh, here. Wow, does this kid love cackling? He does. I think I think if you were to list Duke's hobbies, it'd be like game design, uh, destroying Yugi, cackling. Yeah. In, in, inhaling caffeine, cackling. <laughs> and he's cackling because, and I quote... It's been so long since someone's destroyed one of my heart points. <laughs> well. Which is like, yeah, you fucking tool. You made this game. And you're like, you're like literally just releasing it now with the opening of your game store. And you famously don't tell other people the rules. So don't brag about how little you lose at it, I guess. Like, we know. Uh, Duke then summons... An undefeatable monster in retaliation because he will have no more of this heart point taking. He summons, pardon me, he dimensions the dice Ugh. and summons Orgoth the Relentless, which is an, a, a name. Uh, <laughs> do you want to read the note you just highlighted or do you just want to leave that there? <laughs> yes, I will read it. Tyler, does Orgoth look like Bible man to you? 
Yes. He's got the <laughs> Absolutely, exact same 100% yes. color Orgoth screen. is like, Orgoth could be put in a who wore it better next to Bible Man, and I do not know who would win. I think uh, we should actually like have to specify who the hell Bible Man is, because I guarantee you that most of our audience will have no idea. I See, I disagree. I think a lot of our audience would know who Bible Man is. If they're listening to a Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast, they at least tangentially know who Bible Man is. Lauren, I'm going to hold this up for you. This is Bible Man, right? You remember Bible Man. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, so do you want to explain Bible Man real quick, Jimmy? Or... Uh, actually, no. First, I'm, I'm going to show this is this is Orgoth the Relentless. Yeah, it's it's like when Bible Man doesn't skip leg day. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so so real briefly, Jimmy, explain Bible Man to our listeners who might not know. Oh man, how can I possibly des- describe Bible Man? Bible Man was a live action knockoff Batman uh-huh. for Christian children in the '90s. Yes. Bible Man is an invention that ha- Bible Man is very much a product of his time. Yeah. Right. Bible Man was we need to make a TV show for uh, young church going children, uh, and we want to make sure that it's popular. So, what can we emulate that is currently in the popular culture? Oh, what movies came out this year? Batman and Star Wars Episode One. Is that when it came out the first time? Wasn't this 1998? Uh, let me check. Bible Man. Oh, pardon me. 1995. Still, Star Wars is a popular thing. So picture Batman, but his costume is purple and yellow, uh, and he wields something that is legally dissimilar from a lightsaber. <laughs> something but which, is a for legal reasons, is not a lightsaber. Uh, and yeah, you know, I actually, I have a lot What's of respect the of for the character of Bible old... man. I do wish that he did not wield a weapon because I feel like that goes against, uh, maybe some of the things that he's trying to teach, but it's fine. Did he ever actually use it to like hit someone? I don't think he did. I think I he mostly don't... talked to people about the Bible. And then they were like, okay, we're, we're bad and we're going to change. I think he duels Satan at one point. Oh my! No, no, no. What? He fights. He fights drugs. Is what it is. Does he? He he literally has a fight with drugs at one point. I have vivid memories of this. Can I read you the storyline of Bible Man real quick? Yes, please do. The storyline, uh, from the IMDb, uh, is Miles Peterson, a regular guy with the best the world had to offer turned to God and the Bible in his most desperate hour, and from then on pledged to fight evil with the word of God. Disguised in the full armor of God as Bible man, Miles fights against enemies of darkness using scripture. Yeah, I don't think he ever, like, actually attacked someone. Lauren is surprised here. Lauren is like, he doesn't have powers? What? No. No, he has the power of God and anime on his side, and that is that is it. He has he has the the fruits of the spirit, the armor of God, and scripture, which is a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, his power is wearing body armor, so he doesn't just get instantly shot. <laughs> I'm not wearing hockey pads. Uh, 
<laughs> that's that's the difference between Orgoth and Bible Man. Is Orgoth isn't wearing hockey pads? He very much isn't. Let's. I've got a picture of Orgoth the Relentless up here, and his thighs are very much on display. Yeah, it very he's is. got all the it's same much armor. Like, oh, leg leg day Bible Man, and like color scheme of Bible Man. But then he has extremely nineties, uh, super beefy like He Man legs. Yeah, yeah. He Man thighs is the best way to put it. I think he is incredibly uh, armored everywhere except his muscly thighs. Right. Well, because they're so muscly, they don't need armor. <laughs> Uh, but Orgoth uh, goes to attack. <laughs> Let's move on with the the, sh- the actual show. Uh, Orgoth moves to attack, and uh, as it attacks in slow motion with its giant sword, Yugi uh, hacks into the Matrix, I guess, in slow motion is like Googling shit on the help screen and discovers that the Strike Ninja also has a separate move. So <laughs> yeah, he uses a, a trap crest that he had stored. Uh, and as the attack resolves, it's a bunch of smoke, right? And as the smoke clears, Strike Ninja is apparently no more. Yeah, Yugi uh, enters uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure time dilation. Have you watched any JoJo <laughs> at all? No, I, I've seen clips. I yeah. know what you're talking about. But in 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 uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, um, whenever people are fighting, a guy will like go to throw a punch, and in the like half a second it takes for the punch to land, he will like spout an entire paragraph. All the onlookers will have their own reaction paragraph and exposition describing what's happening. The bad guy will have his own retort. Uh, Jojo will also have another paragraph to retort to the to that retort, and then the the fist uh, collides. So I feel like that's most people's understanding of like how Dragon Ball episodes go. I mean, yeah, except it's my understanding that Dragon Ball episodes happen and they're just yelling the entire time. In pretty much in Jojo, it all takes it all takes place in the span of like like a half second. You know, how, how huh. long, if we were sitting next to each other, Tyler, how long do you think it would take for me to, like, slap you in the face if I wanted? I would just go, like, yeah, Sure. <laughs> Obviously. Um, yeah. But imagine, oh, so like, it's in- like... So it's like in D&D, where no matter how many people are playing, each round of combat lasts six seconds. Yeah, each round of combat lasts six seconds, even though you, like, get up and go to the bathroom, or you, like, read an entire spell, and all this stuff happens. Um, right. That's exactly what happens here. Yugi has and enough time to, like, think a full sentence in his inner monologue, use Wikipedia, and then, like, find out what is going on, like, all his options are, and then play that option before the thing even happens. Right. And so it, he does all that, and then the smoke clears, and it's revealed that Strike Ninja actually just used a smoke bomb to, to magic himself out of the way. Uh, so he's still alive. Hooray. And I don't know if you can hear it. Pepper is over here. My own little monster. I wonder what you were doing leaning like he's all the way out of frame. <laughs> he, he, he either wants to be on the podcast or just wants his breakfast. I can't tell which. Both. No. Do, yeah. Do you want to go ahead and feed him now? I'll just, I'll just, yeah, we'll cut this part out. 
okay, so he does all that, and it's revealed that Ninja Strike Ninja uh, ninjutsued his way out of the way of the attack, so he's still alive. Yeah. And this really rattles Duke because Yugi is learning the game way quicker than he anticipated, which is like, yeah, you gave him a help screen. Yeah, he fully believes that uh, the same amount of time is required to invent a game from scratch and learn how to play the game because he's (laughs) apparently never had to learn his own game. Right. I think the one game that that is true for is probably Jimmy Wins. Maybe Jimmy Wins too. Uh, <laughs> you don't know. You'll never know. That's true. Uh, he also is like still convinced that Yugi cheated to beat Pegasus. He doesn't believe that Yugi is good at games. Oh, yeah. Uh, because, you know, he's a, a no good, dirty, rotten, pig stealing cheater. Uh, and Yugi at this point, it's his turn. And he has uh, his Strike Ninja attack Duke's heart points again. So Duke is down to one heart point. Uh, At at which point, uh, yeah, Duke is like clearly unstable. Yeah, he has some things going on. I don't know if that's just how he is mentally or if he just downed like five monster energy drinks before playing this game or both i think from everything we've seen i think it's the energy drink argument i think he just has to pee at this point (laughs) because his eye starts twitching yeah really bad it's it's not a good it's unsettling yeah uh and so in retaliation uh or bible man uh orgoth uh kills strike ninja finally and then duke monologues about (laughs) <laughs> it's actually it's it's a pretty good play on words duke does his monologue about how you may have been on the victory trail yugi but now you're at a dead end uh and then we like fade to black dun, with dun, dun. a shot of the game board i guess that's it Ta-da. that's, the that's end of the it game. that's that's the that's how it goes uh to be continued i suppose uh with orgoth having slayed strike ninja which is significant because that means that like yugi doesn't have anything on that side of the board but the show goes to zero lengths to tell you why that's important uh oh what is this what is what is this note that you're on right now oh yeah yugi got, i yugi got saw an the um no before that before that what? yugi got an upgrade oh yeah in duke's mind um he specifies that yugi has upgraded it in t- from cheat to like actually he, he says that Yugi has, like, sabotaged his game. So in his mind, Yugi has upgraded from, oh, he cheats at games, to, like, Yugi has gone out of his way to sabotage the release of his game by beating Pegasus. Like, it's personal now. Ah, uh, now it's personal. That's how it wasn't self-absorbed before he is. When he said it was personal. When he said it was personal, it wasn't personal. Now it's personal. Now it's super personal. Yugi has uh, gone out of his way to become a saboteur of dungeon dice monsters for whatever reason. <laughs> well, you know, he, he can't have anybody uh, beefing on his turf. Yeah. He's the king of all games. All of them. All one of them. Oops. All uh, games. And, <laughs> and we will uh, get to the thrilling conclusion of this episode next week where the episode's title is timely. We'll say. Yes. I, I uh, do you, saw do you want to on... reveal the title of the next episode? Yes, I saw this on the the Netflix queue next up. No, playing uh, the end of this arc, end of the entire first season, is 
the same name as a movie that just came out. It's called Endgame. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. It's the MCU so this is when Marvel Thanos card shows game up. universe. <laughs> yeah, this is when Thanos shows up and disappears half the dice monsters. Yeah. And uh, de-dimensionizes the dice. <laughs> undimensions the dice. Multi-dimensions the dice. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything uh, Anything else you want to you wanna drop before we talk about <laughs> card of the week and shit? Because at this point, it's just like, all right, next week, I guess. Next no that'll be that'll be the that'll be the exciting stuff i've sent this to you before but i'm dropping uh an image in chat what is this to prepare us for the oh. next week's episode <laughs> you should post this again to the 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 instagram if you haven't already okay uh what jimmy just sent me is a picture of a dueling disc which we still haven't seen like a proper one in the show no. but it's a dual disc that's been made to have the infinity gauntlet <laughs> attached to it so it's just an all gold dual disc with an infinity gauntlet and it has all uh, the infinity stones and all five pieces of exodia all five special gems and all five special cards jimmy what was your favorite part of this episode uh i'm having to come up with something real quick this was not my favorite episode uh, there were very few good things about this episode <laughs> my favorite part i guess was just yugi uh, demonstrating how quickly he can read. <laughs> he figures, yeah, it turns out he's a speed reader. Who knew? Yeah, he f- quickly figures out that, oh yeah, all the rules are here right next to me, and so he's able to adapt real quickly, and that's better than uh, a lot of us could do with playing a game, even with the entire rule set right there. Because yeah, even true. you and me have like played a game for the first time together, and we're like halfway through trying to figure out uh, how everything works. I guess that's why I mean, why even he's... games that we've played several times, we're like, wait a second, have we been playing this in- incorrectly this whole time? Oh, yes, we have. <laughs> yep. I do I do have to say, though, because I'm, I'm with you, right? Like, there's very few things that I really like about this episode, but I, w- I do have to say there's something to be said for withholding certain rules from other players or like making up new rules as a strategy because sometimes it can be used for good it's not in this episode yeah but uh so you're familiar with uh exploding kittens Mm -hmm. the game so when lauren and i were first introduced to that game we played with my family and uh we were told that every time you draw a card, which is once a turn, right? You draw a card from the, from the main deck. Mm-hmm. You have to show that card to the rest of the table. And we only found out like a year later that that is not at all how you play. You keep that card secret unless it is, unless it is an exploding kitten. And if it's an exploding kitten, then you have to show it. And that's like the point of the game. We were told that you had to show every card because if you did not explicitly show every card, my youngest brother would cheat and lie his ass off (laughs) and just keep the exploding kitten secret. So he would never lose because he supposedly never drew that card. So our family taught us uh, incorrect rules to the game specifically to keep him from cheating again. (laughs) Was this by design or just accidental? What, his cheating? Uh, Circumventing his cheating. Oh, it was a hundred percent by design. It was a rule that they that they made up to prevent him from cheating. House so rules specifically designed to combat your brother. Absolutely. I mean, it's 
hey, you know what? It worked. <laughs> but I but I feel like I get I understand Duke Devlin now. Yeah, right. Like if Duke had gone that direction of like, I'm going to lay out some ground rules that will specifically prove that Yugi has to cheat in order to win, that would be one thing. But it didn't quite happen here. No. So I don't know. I can see where his head's at, I guess is, is what I'm trying to say, but he doesn't quite make it. Uh, my, if I had to pick a favorite, it'd probably be just Joey's reactions to Strike Ninja. Oh, yeah. He's, he is super yeah, psyched. I love watching this guy run. Oh, love it. He has a new favorite card. He's he going to go out immediately and buy one at Grandpa's Game Store after this. I. I truly hope he does. I hope that Strike Ninja becomes the next, like, Flame Swordsman. Yeah, there's no way. He has to do it. He, uh, yeah, there, he has to. He, you can't say all of that and not buy a, a Strike Ninja. Uh, how about your least favorite? Tyler, my least favorite is this entire arc is pointless. We are learning yeah. the rules to a brand new game that is going to be completely ignored and never spoken of again in just one more episode. Like, the entire point of this whole last season was learning how dual monsters work and all the different strategies you can do it. In this one, uh, here's all the rules to a, a new game, and, uh, well, there it goes. Goodbye. Yeah, like, I have to, I have to wonder, because I honestly don't... I don't remember whether or not this actually comes up again. I have to believe that it does... Like, otherwise, this has just been a huge, like, horrible, boring waste of time. But, yeah, no, it really doesn't seem like we're ever going to come back to this. Which kind of sucks. Yeah. They're going to an awful lot of trouble to just invent a new game that they're not going to do anything with. Right. Like, I I think if if there were a second series, like, maybe maybe if there were a spinoff of, like, Duke's dungeon dice monster adventures like that would be one thing but yeah yeah you know the classic everyone's favorite series ddda uh i think that would be one thing but if we're not gonna have that if i can't scuba what's this all been about yeah there's is this whole last arc is just uh something they came up with like last minute to kind of pad the end and then, like, one person was, like, a super into the game design and decided to make it a four-parter. Right. I, yeah, I don't know. It didn't need It didn't Maybe. need to be a four-parter. didn't even need to be no. a three-parter, really. No, it could have been a, a one-episode. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing is that it's, oh, it's a twist. It's, like, dual monsters, but you use dice. How is Yugi going to react to this? But they're dragging it out with all this like mundane detail that is completely unnecessary. Right. And of course, you know, you and I have the benefit of hindsight where it's like, well, yeah, of course Yugi wins here because we know that he continues to play dual monsters in the next season. So also he's a protagonist. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and not going to have a kid show where this kid becomes champion of the world and then just loses. That's the end of the the show. He lost to this little <laughs> snotty kid. Bye. <laughs> and that's the lesson, kids. If you want to win, make your own goddamn game. <laughs> We're certainly not going to help you. What was your least? Uh, I think, I don't know. I, I think it continues to be just Duke's shittiness. 
in 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 the fact that it's like it's it's almost too well written actually yeah i think i think is what i hate about it because it's like oh you're such an idiot and like so mean for no reason and also mean in like the wrong ways like if you really wanted to fuck with him here's how you would do it but that also is very much how a 12 year old would handle that or like a 15 year old or however old they're supposed to be like that if it were a real child, I would have the same critique. Does that make sense? Like we're just thinking he's like, uh, like a clever character because of his voice and how well the voice actor does. But if he was, oh yeah, the voice acting is great. Yeah. The voice acting is really good. It's the writing that upsets me. Yeah. Like if he was doing it in like an actual squeaky 12 year old voice, like as we mentioned last episode, he would be the Mm -hmm. most obnoxious little shit on the planet. Right. He's not a, so he's not a, a fun villain like Pegasus where it's like, oh yeah, Pegasus is here. He's going to That's what it is. be a real ham and like spout monologues about uh how much he loves cartoons. Uh no, he's just going to be a smug little dipshit. Right, and it's not even fun in the way that Kaiba is a fun villain where he's all about, you know, the honor of the cards and and the the respect that Blue Eyes White Dragon must have and how he's going to be the the best in the world uh because he fights honorably and whatever. No, it's just like what if a real 15-year-old like little shit was like mean to Yugi, right? And like bullied Joey. Yeah, wouldn't that be a great character, you guys? And and that's kind of the, really the point of the whole arc here is like what happens when magical card boy faces an actual child? <laughs> Doogie versus Doogie? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I keep trying Doogie to, Howser. I keep trying to mix their names. <laughs> I keep trying to say Yugi and Duke at the same time. Uh, I Doogie Hauser MD. What if Doogie Hauser was in this show? It'd be a much better show. Be a much better show. Uh, no, what I was trying to say is, what if Yugi fought the real boy? Is is like what it is. Yugi versus the real boy is is the true name of this show. A, a true spoiled kid who has millions of dollars at his disposal, or at least hundreds of thousands, so he can open a game shop. Yeah, like he's that kid who had the PlayStation before anyone else, so he like got really good at whatever the NBA game was, but then he wouldn't let people play it so that nobody could get better than him. Yeah. He's the kid who has all the consoles and yes. rubs it in your face. Right. But all his games are single player. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. This episode, I like I said at the beginning of, of our episode, I read the synopsis for this and was already like not excited. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, happy that we're going to get into Endgame next uh you know we're really, really just stoked now. to see that avengers movie uh and uh yeah and then sort of i'm hoping finish out the season strong if the next episode sucks i'm gonna be really pissed <laughs> yeah uh if it's a disappointment i mean we already had like the main story so this is just like i'm not expecting a whole lot from the last episode but it's still going to be disappointing if the last if the season finale of Yu-Gi-Oh! isn't good, then, well, it's Yu-Gi-Oh!, so I'm not too surprised. Yeah, I mean, there's more Yu-Gi-Oh! where that came from. It's really <laughs> yeah. going to be it. Um, 
This is the this right. is just okay. a B plot that they're wrapping up here. This isn't the main thing. Exactly. Well, with that, let's end the episode. Yes, it's time. It's, it's time, time to uh, 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 end the episode, which is good because it's one fifty-seven a.m. here. Oh yeah, Jesus Christ! Uh, all right, so let's wrap it up quick. Uh, we talk about card of the week every week, Jimmy. I want to read the rules real quick for Orgoth the Relentless because it is not at all what Duel Monsters does with Orgoth the Relentless. Oh, okay. Uh, so the card text says, once per turn during your main phase, you can roll a six-sided die three times, and this card gains attack and defense equal to the total times 100 until the end of your opponent's turn. Dice. Then, if two of the results were the same, apply the appropriate... Uh, the appropriate effect. If all the three were the same, apply all of these effects. Uh, one or two. Uh, the card cannot be destroyed by battle or card effects until the end of your opponent's turn. Three or four, draw two cards. Five or six, this card can attack directly this turn. So it's it's essentially it's a, it's a condensed version of Dungeon Dice Monsters. It's you roll three dice, and then you not only get attack and defense based on what the die roll was, but depending on whether or not you got any pairs and the number of the pairs, different effects happen. See, that's actually kind of cool. It's actually kind of fun, but we don't get any of that with Orgoth in the show. No, he so. just is undefeatable for whatever vague reason. Right, exactly. Uh, so uh, let's do our random card of the week. Our card of the week generated randomly by my list of every possible Yu-Gi-Oh card gives us Vampire Duke. Uh-oh. Topical. Vampire Duke is a five... <laughs> Topical. Oh, Duke. Like Duke. Yeah, the, the name of the character. It's not that Duke. Aww. Uh, Vampire Duke is a five-star zombie slash effect monster that says, when this card is normal summoned, you can target one dark vampire monster in your graveyard. Special summon that target in face-up defense position. When this card is special summoned, you can declare one card type, monster, spell, or trap. Your opponent sends one card of that type from their deck to the graveyard. You can only use this effect of Vampire Duke once per turn. This card cannot be used as an XYZ material for an XYZ monster except for the XYZ summon of a dark monster. It has zero defense and 2,000 attack. Hmm. I'm looking at the art for this card, and honestly, I'm disappointed. Like, you would think that they might do something interesting with the concept of a Vampire Duke, but you look at Vampire Duke... It's literally just a vampire standing there. Not even a cool yeah. vampire, like a traditional vampire wearing an ascot. There's a blood red moon behind him and a castle with some bats. It's advanced to suck your blood. Yes, this guy definitely talks with a lisp and goes, ah, ah, ah. Uh, but it's a duke and not a count. So count that's is taken. different. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it, I, the thing that I like about Vampire Duke is that, like, we don't get a lot of classical monsters in, in Yu-Gi-Oh! We get a, a lot of these, like, sort of pseudo-Egyptian or, like, Pseudo- tech monsters, yeah. like like mechanical monsters. We don't get, like, werewolf or just, like, zombie, yeah. right? So having Vampire Duke is very much like, oh, I know exactly who this character is. Yeah. This is Dracula. This is 100% classic horror Dracula. Right, pardon me, Alucard. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, yeah, so there it is. That's our card of the week. 100% Vampire original Duke. character, do not steal. TM, 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 <laughs> copyright, copyright, copyright. 
Uh, all right. Hey, if you want to get in touch with us like King Boomy did, uh, you can email us at youactivatedmypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can go to our Twitter and Instagram pages at, at yampod. That's Y-A-M-P-O-D. We'll have some stuff up on there uh, this week, like I mentioned, with uh, some polls about what you like or don't like about the show so we know how to kind of rejigger it for season two. Uh, you can go to our website, heartofthe.cards. Uh, you can download the rules for Jimmy Wins and Jimmy Wins 2 at heartofthe.cards slash Jimmy Wins or heartofthe.cards slash Jimmy Wins 2. Uh, we'll say that the number two or T-O-O work just as well. You're going to get two uh, I'll, separate. I'll, I'll set up a, a redirect there or something. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, if you want to listen to uh, the other podcast that Jimmy is on, that's at the podcast, D-A-H podcast, we'll make it the podcast. Dungeons Against Humanity. Uh, Dungeons Against Humanity is nearing the end of season one. Oh, still, yes. right? I, we are I have almost not heard the latest episode. So we are all, um, I'm pretty sure that the next episode that comes out will be our last of, uh, the current campaign. Uh, and you can find that at dungeonsagainsthumanity.net. Okay. I think that'll, that'll do us for this week. Unless you have anything else to add. Nope. Sweet. Well, next week, we'll be talking about Season 1, Episode 49, Dungeon Dice Monsters, Part 4, Parentheses, Endgame. Until next time. Aw, yeah, I like watching this dude run.